How many is glad to be in this house tonight? I can feel the presence of the Lord in this place. And it's just good to be able to come and just be able to be in His presence on a midweek service. We're very fortunate, very blessed to be able to do so. I want to thank, I want to give honor to my wife. Uh, she's backed me in every way. Um, she's truly the better half. She's more talented. She's better looking. She even has hair. But I do, I do have something that I want to speak to you on tonight. The Lord laid it on my heart. I feel that it's for this church, not just you as the congregation, but for the ministry, for the leaders, for me, for the pastor, for everybody that sits under the sound of my voice right now. I just want to be in His will. I don't want to say anything or do anything that is out of His will. I just want Him to lead me in every way. Because if I do this on my own, I'm going to mess it up. But if I can just follow His lead, if I can just follow His lead, I'm not going to get into scripture just yet. I want to save that. Traditionally, we usually read scripture at the beginning of the message, but I'm going to hold that just for a little bit. You may be seated. So when we begin to read scripture and we start in Genesis, we find a loving God. And we find Him creating everything that we know to be, everything that we live in, everything that we see right now. We see this loving God creating this very thing. We see a God that wants communion with the people. He wants praise from a people. And He creates these people. And they're placed in the Garden of Eden. And we look at that, and many people would say that that is the, the perfect place. There was plenty to eat. No rain had fallen on the earth yet. It was the perfect spot. And at this point in time, God had communion with people, His people. At this time, sin had not come into the lives of people. Humanity had not taste of sin. And the earth had not seen death. And then we see a decision. Free will of a man. And the Bible says, by one man's sin, death came to all humanity. Through one man's disobedience, the rest of the world is no longer in communion with God. At this point in time, we are no longer acceptable. 
We are no longer perfect. We can no longer walk with God. But when this decision's made, there's a divide between God and His people. When this decision's made, when, when the bite of that apple was taken, and the Bible says that their eyes were opened, and they understood what right and wrong was, this is when God loses communion with His people through sin. And we can find in Scripture where it says the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we look at and see what the plan is, what God does to get, get His people back to where they need to be just so they can be in His presence again. And it starts with the Old Testament and the shedding of blood of a spotless lamb is required to wash away the sins of the people. But the blood of that lamb does not sustain the people forever. But every so often, another lamb is having to be slain and more blood is having to be shed for the sins of his people. So this is where the blood comes in and it plays a vital role throughout Scripture. We can read about the blood throughout Scripture countless times. Scripture mentions the word blood 447 times in 373 verses. The blood is important. The Bible says that there's life in the blood. And the Bible says that by the blood we are made pure. We're made whole. It's by the blood that we can be in communion with Him again. By the blood, the blood is the payment for the sins of the world. And we look, we look in the New Testament and we look at the crucifixion of our Savior. And the precious blood that was shed that day on Calvary's hill, that blood covers us. And that blood gets us in communion with God again. That blood is what activates salvation. That blood is exactly what we needed. If it was not for the blood, then we would still be required to bear our own sins. If it was not for the blood, then we could not even get close to Him. If it was not for the blood, we would have to go to somebody else to talk to Him. We'd have to send a representative to talk to Him. But because of the blood, we can bow our heads right now. We can just call on His name. And by the blood, He opens the door for us. And by the blood... We are made whole. Scripture says that by the blood we're washed white as snow. That the remission of sins is from the blood. Remission of sins is from the blood. And we begin to look at Calvary. And we see this very thing. We see God come down. We see Him robe Himself in flesh. And He takes on just what we go through today. How many believe God was, Jesus was fully man and fully God? 
He knows exactly what you're going through. He comes down just to put himself in your shoes, just so he can say, I've been there. I know exactly what you're going through. And I know it's hard right now, but if you just pick up your head and you draw close to me, you'll make it through. If you just walk in communion with me, if you just follow my lead, if you just follow my lead, I'll show you what you need to do. So we look, we look at Calvary and we know the plan of salvation. As apostolics, we love the book of Acts, chapter 2 specifically. And we see that Acts chapter 2 tells us to be baptized in Jesus' name and to repent of our sins and we'll be filled with the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking in other tongues. See, and that's what we have to do. But what really made it true, what activated that plan was the blood of Jesus. What activated that, that plan, what activates salvation is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, so pure, so sweet. When we think about Jesus, we think about how, how loving he is. And Bible says that he is love. We think about how much love someone would have to have to come down from a life of comfort and, and to walk in our shoes and to be beat and to be spit on and to be crucified for people that he didn't, that didn't even know him. He would walk this path just so we could have a chance at salvation. And we look at how much love that took. There is nobody that loves you more, if somebody needs to hear it in this place, there is nobody that loves you more than Jesus does. There's no one that has the same amount of love for you. Your mom don't love you as much as he does. Your dad don't love you as much as he does. Your grandma don't love you as much as he does. His love is pure. His love is perfect. His love is unconditional. His love is flawless. His love is perfect. His love is great. His love is in... Oh, hallelujah. When we just think about the love of Jesus and how perfect it is, how many times have we let him down, but without... Without hesitation, he's come right back to us and picked us up. When others have turned their back on us, Jesus has reached down and picked us up right out of the mess that we were in. Time after time, we get ourselves into things. But the love of Jesus just reaches down one more time. Just get up. Just dust yourself off. It'll be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. So we, we look at Calvary, and I'm going to get into Scripture here. Roman, Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 reads like this. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, 
knowing that tribulations worketh patience. I think somebody should hear that again. Tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we yet were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for the righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. It says, but God commandeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, I just feel the presence of the Lord when I read that verse. Oh, but God commandeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody say, for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. By his blood. Say it with me. By his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Oh, oh, by the death of his son, by the blood of his son, by Jesus Christ, by his son, we were reconciled unto God. By the shedding of his blood, we were reconciled unto God. Oh, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Through Jesus, we receive the atonement for our sins. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All have sinned. For unto the law was in the world. Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. That means that sin is still here whether there's a law or not. There's stuff that you can do that will separate you from God, that will take you out of the presence of God. It doesn't matter if somebody says it's right or if somebody says it's wrong. If the Bible calls it wrong, it's still wrong. We live in a world where truth is subjective and everybody has their own ideas on what right and wrong is. But if we can just follow Scripture, if we can just follow what He given to us, He'll tell us what's right and what's wrong. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of Him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through offense one of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, who is that one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by that one sinned, so is the gift. 
For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came unto all men, condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Hang in there with me. We just got a few more verses. It says, For as many as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That is, sin hath reigned unto death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So through his, through his death, through the shedding of his blood, through his sacrifice, and truly that's what it was, it was a sacrifice. We get frustrated at people that we're around every day. And I'm sure there's even some people that you would say, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire. But the love of God is so deep that he put himself through torture. And he put himself through, through people hating him and, and through people not trusting him and people not loving him just so that you and I can have a chance to be with him one more time. Just so that we can have a passage to heaven. Just so that we can have a chance at it. Salvation's a great thing. And the blood is a great thing. But I'm not here tonight to talk about the blood. Don't misunderstand me. The blood is essential. And salvation, crucifixion of Jesus on Calvary, that was the climax of humanity right there. That's what the world had been waiting for. That's what God's people had been waiting for. They've been waiting for salvation to his people. And not just to the Jews, but opened up to the entire world. The whole earth waits for that moment. And that moment happens. But when you look in Scripture, there's more to the book. There's more to the book. The Bible doesn't end at crucifixion and Jesus' resurrection. The Bible doesn't stop at just people being saved. The Bible doesn't stop there. And I have a fear that we can get to a place where we're so comfortable with just salvation that we miss the rest 
of what God has in store for us. We can get so excited about about salvation, and we should. But I don't ever want to forget that there's more to the book. There's more to the book. He didn't save you to just break you out of bondage. He freed you so that you could walk with Him. He freed you so that you could walk with Him. I don't ever want to get to that place where I just think that salvation's good enough and I don't need to do anything else. As long as I don't sin and as long as I just walk with Him just a little bit, then I'll make it to hell. I don't ever want to be at that place. I want to be like Jesus. We cannot stop at salvation. We cannot stop with getting people in here and getting people to the altar. We cannot just stop with salvation. We cannot just stop with baptism in Jesus' name. We cannot just get people in here and then be born into the body and stop right there. We don't ever want to get to that place where we think that's all we have to do. Oh, but when that little... When that soul comes in and they're born into the body, they're still trying to figure everything out. And I don't believe that it's God's will that we just walk away from them and let them figure it out. I think that we need to teach them the way that that Jesus walked. I think we need to walk a life before them that Jesus would be proud of. I think we need to be the body of Christ. We cannot get to a point of salvation just being it. We cannot just grow a church. That's a shallow church. If we just get people in and get them baptized and that's all we do, that's a very shallow church. Because guess what happens when the first test and first trial comes to that person? They don't know how to handle it. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. To Calvary. There's a lot more to Calvary. In Romans 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I've seen it a lot. People, they get excited, they come in, they get baptized, they go down to the altar, they lift their hands, God fills them with the Holy Ghost, and they think that that's all they have to do. And there's a big, big responsibility on the church that people don't ever just get to that point and we just walk away. Well, we did what we needed to do. No, there's still a lot more to do. When you have a baby, you don't just, after the baby's born, you just walk away and the baby can fend for itself. No, you have to teach the baby. You have to raise the baby. You have to feed the baby. You have to defend the baby. You have to take care of the baby. You have to watch out for the baby. And it's the same way with the church. When there's a babe in Christ, that person needs defending. 
That person needs leading. That person needs feeding. You need to take care of them. You need to show them how to walk. Show them how to talk. Show them how to dress. Show them how to be pleasing to God. In Romans 6 and 3 it says, Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Baptized into his death. It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. We're buried. The old man is buried with him in baptism. That old man, he's He's done away with when we're baptized into the death with Christ. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. It does not just stop with the grave. It does not just stop with the grave. If Jesus would have just died on the cross and never would have rose again, then it would be incomplete. If he would have just stopped at the grave, salvation would be incomplete. He says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. It doesn't just say dead with him. It says crucified with him. Crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Oh, we can't serve sin any longer. Oh, when we've been bought by his blood, we can no longer serve sin. I don't want to live the same way that I lived before I found Jesus. I don't want to live that same way. But when I was buried with him and I rose with him, I put away the old things because the old man was crucified with him and was buried with him and the new man rises with him. It says, For He that is dead is freed from sin. Well, that's a powerful verse. Romans 6 and verse 7, it says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. See, there's two parts. The blood and salvation is... Dying with Christ, our old man dies with Christ. But if we ever forsake to rise and to live with him, then we are incomplete. We have not gotten to where we need to be. We, we are not pleasing unto God. We have not reached what God wants for us. We have not gotten it. We've missed it. If we don't live with him, if we don't walk like him, if we don't talk like him, if we don't love like him, if we don't reach for the lost like him, we've missed it. There's a whole lot more to Calvary than just the death on the cross. There's a whole lot more to Calvary than just the cross. Oh, but three days later he raised and we should walk with him in the newness of life because the old man is gone. The old man is dead. 
I thought I was in an apostolic church tonight. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death have no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, it's not just, Jesus' blood was not just the payment for our sins. But Jesus taught a lot when he was here. He taught us how to walk. He taught us how to talk. He, he taught us how to treat people. And if we ever forsake that just to get salvation... God forbid that we be more concerned with numbers than we are with true people of God. God forbid that we ever get like that, that we just want more and more people to come in, but more and pe- more people fall out. It does us no good to go out and to reach people if we just let them go right back out into the world whenever they get in here and get in the water. It does us no good. It does them no good. You might as well not even have wasted your time. It says, like, it says let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it. And the lust thereof. It says, Neither yield your members as instruments unto unrighteousness, unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments unto, of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. You're under grace. It's by the grace of God that He came down and that He died for us. You are under grace. He didn't have to do it, but He did. And He didn't have to do it. And He didn't expect a lot of results, but He come down just, if there was just one person that it, that it could have an impact on, He still would have done it. Because His love is so deep that we can't even comprehend it. There's nothing on this earth that is as pure as His love. When we just begin to think about it, how pure God's love actually is, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. It says, what then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? says, God forbid. Just because we're under grace and just because His mercy is never ending does not give you a license to sin whenever you want to because you know you can go back and get forgiveness. We cannot live with that mentality that I can do this and then I can go get forgiveness later. We have to desire, we have to strive, we have to want to live like Him. 
It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Whoever you yield your members to, that's who you serve. Salvation was to free you from sin, but just because you're freed, you have to go somewhere. You don't just stop at being free. You have to go somewhere. And a lot of people, there's a scripture that talks about resist the devil and he'll flee from you, but that's not what it says. It says resist the devil and draw nigh unto God. Oh, you can't just resist the devil because you're not strong enough to just resist the devil. But if you just get in his presence and you follow his lead, if you follow his lead, he'll show you how. If you do it on your own, you're going to mess it up. You're going to miss it. You can't do it on your own. You're not intelligent enough to do it on your own. You're not good enough to do it on your own. You're not smart enough to do it on your own. You're not popular enough to do it on your own. But you need him. God forbid we ever get to a place where we think we don't need him. We need him each and every day of our lives. We need him to walk right beside us. We need to hold on to his hand. We need to seek his face. We need to love his people. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. I don't ever want to get to that place where I think I don't need him. I'm unworthy without him. Oh, but by his blood, by his salvation. Oh, Jesus. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. It says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of the doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I want to be a servant of righteousness. I don't want to just stop right there and freed from sin. If we stop at freed from sin, then, then we miss what God has for us. It says, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So we can, we can do what pleases us. But the Bible tells us that the end of those things is death. There's nothing substantial in worldly pleasures. Worldly pleasures will hold you over for a small point in time. You can find, I would be lying to you and say that you can't find temporary satisfaction in the world because you can. You can find temporary satisfaction in the world. But if you hang on to temporary satisfaction, what happens when temporary runs all the way out? You are left with nothing. You are left with death. He says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. 
or one to holiness. Just, I just talk about holiness just, just for a second. There's a lot more to holiness than what people think. When you preach, when the pastor gets up and he preaches separation, holiness is a requirement for separation. Because if you have no holiness, then you are not separate from the world. Holiness separates you from the world. But guess what else holiness does? Holiness brings you into communion with God. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. If we want to be like him, holiness is a requirement. We have to be holy. We cannot claim to be his children if we are not holy. And that's not just talking about dress. Holiness is an inside out thing. Holiness needs, we need to be holy in every aspect of our lives. What we talk about, who we talk about, we need to be holy. We need to be the image of God. It says in the end, so the end of becoming a servant to God and you shall have fruit unto holiness. And the end is everlasting life. If you'd stand with me, musicians who come. I don't ever want to forget what Jesus did on Calvary. Because ultimately what happened on Calvary gives us just a shot at heaven. Just an opportunity at heaven. What happened on Calvary shook the world. What happened on Calvary grabbed the lives of many people. People that had nothing else. People that had everything. People, people in general. What happened on Calvary touched the lives of people. And I don't ever want to forget what happened on Calvary. But I also never want to forget that there's more to Calvary. There is more to Calvary. If we just stop at the grave, we've missed it. If we look past the grave, we've missed it. The final verse in Romans chapter 6, it says this. It says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we do it on our own, our wages is death. But if we can just get to that place, if we can die with Him and if we can rise with Him, if we can just walk with Him, it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Has he been good to you, church? He's been good to me. There's so much more to Calvary 
than just getting people in here and getting them saved. We can't stop there. And if that's how we live, we can't live like that. You will not be able to live a sustainable life living with one foot in and one foot out. It just doesn't work. The Bible says a house divided against itself will crumble. It'll fall. And it's the same with with our bodies. We can't live a life that's divided. We have to live all or nothing. And if we could just get that mentality that we're sold out to Him, whatever He asks, to change how we dress or to change how we talk, to change who we hang out with is a very small price to pay to get into eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal happiness. It's a very small price to pay. Our inconvenience now will result in a reward later on. But our disobedience now will also result in a reward. And the second one, you don't want. I want to leave you with Jesus is not concerned with your comfort nearly as much as he is with your development. He doesn't care if you are a little uncomfortable. He would rather you be uncomfortable than to perish. I remember a message I heard preached one time. It was, the stink or the storm. And he talked about being in the ark and being with all the stink. But outside of the ark, there was no refuge. There was just death. And I don't ever want to get to that place where I just, I get so concerned with just salvation that I miss the rest of the book. We can't miss the rest of the book. If you just lift your hands. Jesus, we need you.